This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we are talking about the wisest gifts ever given, which is a pretty broad statement. There's a lot of wise gifts that have been given over time. It's the wisest gift you've ever got. The wisest gift I've ever been given. Man, that is a, that's on the spot. I would want to say it was probably something I didn't want, but I needed. Mm. <laughs> like your grandma always gives you socks for Christmas. Did you ever have that go on, going oh, on? Oh yeah, every year, black socks. And you had to pretend you liked them? Yeah. It was wise because it taught me to show appreciation even for something I didn't want at all. <laughs> Aren't you glad our kids don't get black socks anymore? For, <laughs> they missed a whole generation uh, of enjoyable gra- gifts. I, know. Yeah. I got a quarter and a sock, a pair of socks from my grandma. Yeah. That was a gift. I think I got like a $5 bill in socks. That's what I, I want a Hot Wheels car, and I got socks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Grandma. Now, yeah. in her defense, she probably had like 30 kids That's true. to provide something for, so that may have been, that That's may true. Have been the best she could do. But wise gifts, never thought of gifts as wise. Mm. I thought of gifts as fun, something I liked, expensive, nice, but wise. Yeah. Well, we're playing off the idea that these wise gifts are coming from wise men. That's true. So (laughs) (laughs) that may be a giveaway as to why they are so wise. Yep. So we talked about last week, the two kingdoms of Herod, Mm -hmm. the kingdom of dominion and power kingdom, kingdom of Jesus, which is peace, shalom, um, humility. And, uh, then we talked about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. So I want to give you a little backstory. You may have heard this before, but uh, it's interesting that of all the cities that God mm-hmm. could choose to send his son into, it's Bethlehem, which was in the shadow of Herodium. We mm-hmm. talked about that, which yes. was Herod's man-made mountain fortress, Okay, which is pretty interesting. He made a mountain out of That mountain. was an unwise gift to yeah. himself, yeah. from himself. Well, he thought it was wise. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, But uh, Bethlehem is the Hebrew word. Uh, it's two words in Hebrew, bait, lechem. Bait, bait lechem. Uh, bait, you probably heard the words bait Adonai, the house of the Lord. The word mm-hmm. bait means house. Okay. Lechem, lechem, is how you say it in Hebrew, mm. is house of bread. That's how I clear my throat. Yeah. <laughs> lechem. That's, uh, yeah. So Jesus was born in the house of bread or a bread factory. Yes. Okay, what's interesting. So uh, now this is going to be a telltale sign, a kind of a motif for his entire ministry. Think right. about it. Jesus was born in a bread factory. Jesus is going to resist the devil the very first mm. time he attacks him and says, man should not live by bread alone. Bread alone. Wow. Okay. And he's making a uh, callback to Exodus 16 when the Israelites live by bread alone. Mm. Manna. <laughs> Manna. Yeah, in the will. Or the sky donuts. Yes, Sky Donuts. There you go. I don't know if they were as flavorful as Krispy Kreme, but I know, I know. it's the best they had. That's so. how I try to imagine it. Yeah, no, I doubt it was like that. <laughs> but uh, th- then Jesus gets up and says, uh, I am the bread of life. Okay. Then Jesus is going to perform a miracle with bread, not once, but twice, mm-hmm. which is recreating the, the bread experience of Moses. We'll get mm-hmm. to that in weeks ahead. Uh, Jesus consistently used bread. He uses bread at the Last Supper when he breaks the bread and says, this is my body. And then in Luke 24, which is fascinating, it wasn't until those two people at the table saw him pick up the bread, it says, go back and read it, Luke 24. He picks up the bread and breaks it. Mm. And at that moment, something supernatural, something, maybe the way he broke the bread, I don't know. Something supernatural happened where Mm. Jesus 
Jesus broke the bread, their eyes were open, their hearts burned within them. They thought, mm -hmm. wow, this is the Messiah. Okay, so bread is interesting. Now, Bethlehem is more significant, not just for bread, but for lambs. Mm -hmm. A little known fact is Bethlehem was where the lambs were actually raised for temple sacrifice. Did you know this? Mm -hmm. I have heard that from you before. Yeah. Didn't so, know it before you told me. Yeah. So there's evidence to show that in the first century, the lambs that were used in the temple, and you have to understand the temple lamb business was uh, a big economic booming business back then because yeah. every person that made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year, particularly on the Day of Atonement and Passover, mm -hmm. had to have a lamb mm. that was spotless, spotless and without blemish. Okay. So the big racket of the temple, which is why Jesus turned over the tables, is that people would make the long trip from Nazareth or the long trip from Jerusalem. Yeah. I mean, from to Jerusalem. They make the long trip from Jericho or or make the long trip from um, Beth Shean or one of those cities. Mm -hmm. Okay. They'd make the trip. When they would get to Jerusalem, the high priest or the priest would look at the lamb and say, ah. There's a small speck on his back, a hind leg, not going to be bl without blemish. Mm. But you can buy a nice lamb here for three times the cost. Sounds like some some uh, preaching that I've watched on TV. It sounds very familiar, yeah. And what Jesus did with that kind of industry is he turned it upside down. Okay, so what happened is now you're in a predicament. Do you make sacrifice to your God mm. and pay for the uh, overinflated or the inflated lamb? Or do you give no offering? And so the people mm. were in a, a conundrum. So they had these lambs. Now, here's what's interesting. The temple lambs were, 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 were cared for and raised in Bethlehem and then brought to Jerusalem. Here's another mm. fact I don't think a lot of people remember. Most of the shepherds in Israel, I would say 90%, I've asked a couple Jewish historian scholars about this, most of the shepherds in Israel were young girls. Mm. Did you know this? Wow, no. Okay. Totally surprised by that. Young girls. You go look it up. Uh, mostly young girls were caring for the flock. If it wasn't young girls, it was young boys. Yeah. Uh, and you may say, ah, I never heard that before. Well, think about David. When, when Samuel comes to anoint the king, mm -hmm. I think David could have been as young as 13 years old, 12 or 13. He's yeah. a runt. He's in the backyard with the sheep. Why? Right. Because he's a little kid. Hmm. He's not, he's not fighting wars like his brothers. He's not off winning battles. He's in the, he's in the back playing with the sheep. Right. So 90% of the sheep or the shepherds were women. Now, the question is, were women in the fields that we're going to study when the angels came? Hmm. And it's debatable. There could be some women, young girls in the field. Yeah. And that would make the story even more tantalizing. I know. That's, that's what I was going to say. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how that impacts how I think about it. Yeah, think about it. Jesus was always using women. God was always using women. He used Rahab in the Old Testament. He used um, Hannah. He used all these women in the mm. Old Testament. Then he uses women in the New Testament. Mary Magdalene, think of the women at the tomb. Think of the women who testify. So he's always using women. But in this case, I don't want to take this too far out, but in this case, I think it was men, and here's why. Mm. I think because the temple sacrifices were, were so important and yeah. were a money-making scheme, they put leaders of, or maybe priests, could be priests down there, caring for these lambs to make sure they were without spot or blemish. Mm. So when the lamb was born, what would happen is, when a lamb was born, they would wrap the lamb in a cloth. They mm -hmm. would take these strips, they were about six to nine feet long, 
uh, an inch wide, these long strips, and they would wrap these strips around the animal. Mm. Okay, so they would take, actually, I said it's six feet long, sorry, yeah. six feet long and an inch or two wide. They would wrap these strips around the lamb mm -hmm. and they would swaddle it, if you would, today. You swaddle kids who have colic or, you know, issues. So you would swallow, swaddle the lamb immediately after being born mm -hmm. because the lamb didn't hurt it. You didn't want the lamb to kick or hurt itself. Right. So you would swaddle this lamb and if protect you would, it from itself. Yes. So if you went to Bethlehem, you ready for this? In the first century, to go see lambs after they were born, yeah. immediately you would see a bunch of lambs swaddled so that they wouldn't hurt themselves. Mm. Now, when we come back from the break, I want you to have that picture in mind. Swaddled lambs who were born and raised for temple sacrifice to a holy God. Mm. Keep that picture in mind. We'll come back. We'll talk about why is that important with Jesus. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back talking about why swaddling lambs are important while we, under the topic of the wisest gift ever given. I am ready for all roads to converge as to the answer uh, to, to the wisest gifts. As we talk I have no clue what this has to do with the wisest glyphs, but we are on a roll right now. We are on a roll. I think it's all going to come together. It's coming end. together. I have I have hope and faith that it will come together in the end. But it's pretty intriguing. We think about the situation we're talking about sacrifices and lambs and overseeing a spotless lamb and kind of the trade out and just thinking of this culture who were dependent upon priests to do certain things and and uh, all this stuff. It's just kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting somewhere, and I want you to remind me about the other connection with mm -hmm. swaddling clothes at the end. Okay. Just remind me of that we'll before it. we close. Do it. But um, it's interesting that when God reveals to the shepherds in the field, mm -hmm. it's interesting, shepherds in the field. <laughs> yeah. So there are shepherds caring for flocks for the temple, but there's also shepherds in the field. So we don't know if they were the same, but they were mm -hmm. shepherds. God comes to the shepherds who were lowly and detestable, couldn't testify in court. Shepherds were not a profession. Being a shepherd was not a profession you wanted, Yeah, but it was a profession. And so God goes to the lowly of low and says, here's the coming of my son, go and worship him. So the shepherds come and God says through the angel, you will find him tightly wrapped in swaddling clothes. Mm. Immediately, the shepherds who know about being wrapped in swaddling clothes because they wrapped these lambs themselves mm -hmm. would go in and immediately the first thing they see when they see baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, you ready for this? In a feeding trough for animals. That's what he was in. <laughs> Start to see all these pieces yeah. converge at the same time. They see not a child. They see a sacrificial lamb that's going to be offered up to God. Hmm as in, in a feeding trough, yeah. okay? So the wise men come and they see something very similar, okay? Mm -hmm. So we're getting back to the wise men. That was all about Bethlehem. So Bethlehem yeah. is that city. The wise men go to Bethlehem and what they find is, after being follow, or following a star, mm -hmm. is that verse 13, we're gonna read 13. 
I'm sorry, 11 and 12. We're going to read 11 and 12. Matthew 2. Matthew 11. 2, 11 and 12. Okay. And I want to show you a few things going on here. Here we go. We're on top of it today. Yes, we're right on top. <laughs> Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Okay. Route. 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 Route 66. Route 66. Route 66. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, we see this picture of these wise men. Now, for years, we've always thought it's three wise men, but it mm. doesn't have to be three wise men. Mm. There were only three gifts. Three gifts, but it could have been 20 wise men. It could have been 20 wise men. It could have been wise men and women. Who knows? But we just know about the wise men and the gifts. There are three categories of gifts. All gifts mean something. And I'll show you the gifts. You probably know what the gifts mean, but I bet you don't know where the gifts come from in the Old Testament because these are all callbacks. Mm. Okay. The first gift is gold. We know gold is a gift given to what? A king. A king. I would like that. If you want, I, I would like that gift as well. Just, yeah. Socks or gold? Clear, I'm going to take golden socks. Yeah. <laughs> just think if these guys brought socks to Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> Golden socks. Okay, no, gold. Gold is a gift for the king. Frankincense, incense is a gift for what? Do you know? Frankincense, I do know because I have the notes. Okay, go read the notes. Gift <laughs> given to a priest to burn in the temple. Yeah, so frankincense, drop off the frank, and you got incense. There you go. That's the easy way to think of it. So incense is what they burned in the temple to really consume the temple mm -hmm. with an aroma of God, the presence of it's God. It's also an essential oil. It is an or essential a young oil. living oil, depending or on your brand yeah, use. Yeah. DoTerra. But it here's the thing. It doesn't matter. Yes. The, the, yeah. So the frankincense was a way, it was a picture of the priesthood because mm -hmm. only a priest could burn the frankincense or burn the incense at the altar. So it's a picture of priesthood. And then myrrh was a burial uh, material. That's an odd gift. Yeah. Compared so, to the others. It was, a, it was a gift given for burial. Hmm. And we know about this because in John 19, 38, it says they came and bring about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. They anointed Jesus's body for burial, according to the custom. So John 19 tells us that, that they brought those spices to bury his body. Now, hmm. that's fascinating because why in the world are you going to give a young boy, a young lad, as the text says, these kind of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Yeah. And the reason is these gifts combined show us at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus hmm. that they recognize who he is and what he's come to do. Hmm. The gifts are not just gifts. They are saying something. Number one, Jesus is a king. Hmm. Number two, Jesus is the priest, the high priest. The frankincense. Frankincense. Number three, Jesus is going to die as our savior. Wow. So he's king, priest, and savior, all in these gifts. Mm. Now, what's even more fascinating, because you guys know we like to connect the old to the new, what's fascinating is God prophesied that this would exactly happen in the book of Isaiah and in the book of Psalms. Mm. Okay, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6, if you got it, Chris, say I've word. Got it. Caravans of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. Is that Afa. Yeah, Afa. Afa. All of them will come from Sheba. Now let's stop there. Sheba. 
just sounds like we know the queen of Sheba. Yes, We've heard yes. of the queen of That's Sheba. That's who I first thought. Here's the question. Where is Sheba? Sheba. I'm guessing Egypt. No. Is that way off? No, Egypt is west. Oh, that, then I'm Sheba's off. east. Uh, Sheba. Sheba hmm. is coming from the Babylonian area. Mm, area. Babylon. Okay. okay. So Sheba is coming from the area of Babylon. Okay. Midian and Ephah are from the area of Babylon. Mm. Uh, east, okay, just east. I mean, we could be Babylon area, east. Okay. Egypt is west, okay, east. So now we see that one day Isaiah says, caravans of camels will cover the land. They will be an entourage that come from camels from Midian and Ephah, all from Sheba, from Babylon. Okay, mm. now keep going. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. Oh, boy, is that a good one. <laughs> so what Isaiah's yeah. predicting is that one day, a group of men will come from Babylon, which I said in the podcast before, I believe these wise men, if you missed it, are descendants and disciples of Daniel. Hmm. Daniel discipled them in Babylon. You can go back and look at the podcast and listen to it. And they were astrologers, astronomers over the stars. Uh, remember, the king was going to kill them because they couldn't interpret his dream. Daniel steps in and says, don't kill them, I'll lead them. And you have to believe that he trained these men in the scriptures of Balaam's prediction uh, in the Old Testament, Numbers 24. They knew all these things. Yeah. So now Isaiah says, here's a prophecy. They're going to come. But there's another prophecy. Psalm 72, verse 15. Read this one. May he live long. May gold from Sheba be given to him. Ooh. May prayer be offered for him continually, and may he be blessed all day long. Okay, so prophetic insight about the Messiah, God's mm. son, may he live long. May gold from Sheba. Now, that's an odd thing to think. Think about it back then, that God is going to use people from Babylon to bring mm -hmm. gold to him yeah. or to his people. Yes, that is an odd prediction, it and is, yet definitely. it comes true with the Babylon with 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 the uh, wise men coming. Now, what's interesting is the reason these wise men are going to bring these gifts. This is interesting, mm -hmm. is because Joseph and Mary are penniless. Okay, I've said this before when I first came to Long Hollow. I've got a lot of emails from it. I still believe it's true. I even went to Israel, and the tour guide confirmed it without me asking him. And I said, I said, Moshe, go, go and repeat that. I don't think the bus heard that. Go ahead and repeat that again. And here's what he said. He said, I don't believe Mary and Joseph came from Nazareth to Bethlehem or from the Galilee to Bethlehem without, I mean, on a donkey. He said, I do not believe they rode on a donkey. You got to be careful here. You're touching on a sensitive subject. I know. Most there people. There are some very committed donkey folks. Yeah, I know. I own a donkey, so I know how committed you can be to a donkey. <laughs> he may be the dumbest animal. She may be the dumbest animal ever. But, uh, yes, I know every Christmas card has a donkey. I know every... Uh, you know, sacred ground is Christmas decorations include yes. a donkey. I get that. But here's the reason I don't think they came on a donkey is because in Luke chapter two, after Jesus is born and they go to the temple to dedicate him, mm -hmm. it says that they dedicated him by offering up two turtle doves, Luke chapter two, mm -hmm. two turtle doves is not what the offering is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a lamb or a ram. It's not supposed to be Turtle doves. Turtle doves were the footnote in the exception if you didn't have money for the mm. real offering. So basically, God says, I want you to give $100. If you don't have $100, you can give a dollar. Yeah. So they come with a dollar. So immediately you'll say, okay, they have a dollar because they don't have any money. 
you got to understand, this is Mary and Joseph not giving up to God any firstborn male. Mm. They are giving to God his one and only son. And in my estimation, and this is what I believe, that if they would have had a donkey that they rode from Nazareth to, Jeru or to um, Bethlehem, yeah. they would have sold the donkey to give the best offering to God, mm. offering his son back to him. So the fact that they don't have a lot of money, okay, so why is that important? God says, I'm going to send you gold, frankincense, and myrrh mm -hmm. to give you enough money to get out of Dodge, or in this case, <laughs> to get out of Bethlehem, right. Right? okay? And then the very next thing says, God spoke to Joseph in a dream, okay, get up, take the child, and flee to Egypt, okay? Yeah. Now, he goes to Egypt. They stay there for a, a period of time until Herod kills all the firstborn children, and then the Lord tells them, come back. But what Matthew says is, the reason this happened, verse 15, read the last part. Exodus 13, 19 is the reference. Read Matthew 2, 15. Watch this. Matthew 2, 15 says, he stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Here it is. Out of Egypt... I called my son. Okay, two callbacks in this one section and we're done. Mm. Okay, the first one is this. Joseph in the Old Testament was a dreamer. Mm. He had multiple dreams. Yeah. Multiple dreams, okay? Joseph in the New Testament, Jesus' earthly father, yeah. is a dreamer. In fact, he has three dreams. You look at the dream. Actually, I think yeah. he had four dreams, believe it or not. Four dreams. He has a dream to flee Egypt. He has a dream to return from Egypt. He has a dream to go to the region of Galilee. He has a dream. I mean, this guy yeah. is a dreamer. He he has double, this is interesting, he has twice as many dreams as the first Joseph. Hmm. Okay? But it's also showing us something interesting, that just like Moses brought the people out of Egypt into the promised land, Moses made, made a physical journey of leaving Egypt and bringing God's people into the mm -hmm. promised land. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, who Matthew's trying to show, is the new Moses, mm -hmm. what Moses failed to do and that he could not leave Egypt and make it into the promised land, this new Moses Messiah figure will. Yeah. And I think what God's showing us is Jesus is the new Israel. He is embodying the Torah of the mm -hmm. Old Testament, and he is coming out of Egypt into the promised land to show us he is doing what Moses was incapable of doing. Well, we would wrap it up there, but you told me to remind you of another connection. Oh, here we go. And I know there's someone listening who's thinking, what is that other connection? I'm glad connection? you're reminding me. Okay. So let's wrap up on that one. Okay, here we go. So frankincense, gold, and myrrh. You're going to love right. this. Okay. Myrrh was a picture of death. When the shepherds walked in and saw those swaddling lambs, they thought of temple sacrifice animals. Mm -hmm. When the shepherds walked in and saw Jesus in swaddling clothes, they thought of temple sacrifice. But here's another insight, because they wrapped the lambs. We found it, and I wrote this in The Forgotten Jesus, and I have the reference if you want to go back and look at it. But in the Mishnah, there's actually a, a reference in the early writings that in the first century, caves would be filled with slits of swaddling paper, swaddling cloth, mm. in the crevices of the of the cave, okay? So if you would go, and I went, and I've been to Bethlehem, and I've been in these caves, and you can see these little crevices in the wall. In the crevices of the wall, they would actually have swaddling cloths. Why? Mm. Because swaddling cloths would be used to bury people that died, and they couldn't afford to do anything else with it. They couldn't have a big procession. They couldn't have a big burial. So what they would do is they would wrap the body with these burial cloths mm. 
and they would wrap the body. And so in the caves, if you study the uh, yeah. history, there were stacks and stacks of burial cloths. So now the swaddling cloth of Jesus has a dual meaning. Mm. Not only is it a lamb who's offered up as the perfect sacrifice for God from the very place where the temple lambs were raised and brought to the temple, mm. but it's more than that. Jesus is wrapped in the cloth of death. And we believe it real strongly that in the walls of the cave, Mary and Joseph, who had nothing, no room in the inn, nobody to help them, they had to take the best they had, which is all they had, were these burial cloths from the cave walls and use it to keep their son warm. Mm. Jesus, right early on, is showing us two things by parents wrapping him. Number one, he's the sacrificial lamb. Number two, or the perfect lamb sacrifice. Number two, he's going to be the lamb sacrifice for our sin. That is powerful. A lot of backstory and interesting story as to what the wisest gifts ever given and and what they meant and then where they came from. So that's pretty incredible. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. You can text them a link right now and tell them to take a listen. Give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.